0: week uh, or a couple of weeks ago talking about wisdom, the wisdom teaching in chapter 7 where it says, who's like the wise and who knows the interpretation of a thing? A man's wisdom makes his face shine and the hardness of his face is changed. Let's pray together. God, uh, we declare today that you are the pool of wisdom and uh, God, we've got, we've got some incredible minds in this church Uh, some incredible intellect in our city, um, enough for us to be really arrogant, God, uh, in our city, Lord. Um, uh, My understanding is there's more PhDs per capita in in the Huntsville metro area than any other city uh, in the nation. And, uh, Lord, uh, so there's a lot of folks that think they have it all together. And one of the things that uh, pleases me, Lord, is when I meet somebody that they may be uh, multiple PhDs or someone who's a student in elementary school who both says, you know what, I'm hungry to learn. I want to know more about God. I want to understand more about life. I don't want to be a selfish person. I want to be a giving person. People that they open themselves up for for teaching and for training, Lord. And I pray that you would do that with us today. In fact, just take a moment right now and just in a prayer time, just posture yourself and just tell God that you're open for him to do a revealing work and a transforming work in your life. Go ahead and do that right now. And God, you got to do the work. I can't do it to a certain extent, we can't even do the work. Um, God, we're we are merely like gloves, and you're the hand. And though I can, I can be like an old glove that had gotten wet, that can be very stiff and can fight against the hand's movements, God, I, I'm like that many times. So are my friends, Lord. Today, what we want to do is we want to say, Lord, we surrender. May, may you May you work through us. May you be the hand instead of us. May we just be the glove to where people see the work of the hand, but they don't give glory to the glove, God. And even when it comes to understanding and the point of of growth, God, we can't do that. Help us just say, Lord, we surrender. We surrender. Somebody say, I surrender. Right now, Lord, we do. We place ourselves in a posture that we say, God, come and change us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, verse 2, Ecclesiastes chapter 8. I say, keep the king's command because of God's oath to him. Do not be hasty to go from his presence. Do not take your stand on any evil cause, for he does whatever he pleases. For the word of the king is supreme, and who may say to him, what are you doing? All right, so t- let's take a look at this. You have uh, Solomon, uh, if, if he was the author of this, talking about kings and how important it is you listen to the king. In particular, he's speaking to the people of Israel uh, who not only believe that, that they've got a, a king to rule them, but they believe that that king has been ordained by God uh, to rule them. And uh, so that means that Israel at that time was a theocracy. Uh, it, it was one of which uh, God, I mean, before the kings, God was the one who ruled them. He ruled them through through prophets, uh, through the men of God. And they transferred now to this, to this area of, of sovereignty where you had these kings and uh, to where they were saying, okay, God, I want to follow you. And you've got this history of, of good king, bad king, good king, bad king, bad king, bad king, bad king, good king. Uh, and uh, the ones that followed the Lord, God did many things through them. And, and those that didn't, God, uh, He came down and He would punish them. Uh, in, in big ways. But he was telling them, said, look, you need to obey the king. You need to trust the king. You need to do what what the king says, in particular when, it, when they're, when they're a, a godly king. Now, you bridge that today. We don't live in a theocracy. Uh, nobody in this world has a government that's a, a theocracy, and no one would say that their president or their king is someone that is, would be a a righteous man that was ordained by God alone and, and does and makes perfect decisions. nobody. There's no president, there's no king like that. And so what's, what do we take, take out of this? Well, there, there are times in, in our nation and in other a- nations in which you are to push back. There's times of civil disobedience. I'm not going to get into it, but I know you know you've got, uh, you've got folks uh, that have been occupying space all, all over our nation. we got some folks that just, I mean, a few steps from here. We're, we're occupying a, uh, a little uh, a little shelter right over here just a, a few days back. Uh, and um, to, to a big degree, the folks who, who've been in the Occupy movement, it's been a civil disobedience. And, and some of you may say, man, I'm all for it. I'm all for what they stand for. Others may say, well, I have no idea what they stand for, neither today. Neither um, regardless, we see that it's primarily been a civil disobedience um, that that, they have, that they've had. There's times to stand against injustice. There's times to stand for change. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a great example of this. Um, he stood against the Nazis and he stood against the churches that actually were supporting Hitler at the time. Uh, he ended up losing his life as a result of it. Martin Luther King, um, he stood for the equality of rights that, that men and women, no matter what your, what your color is, deserve and that are given by God, and promoted a, a civil disobedience uh, as a result. So there are times, and uh, um, and there's some of y'all that say, "Well, you know what? With my freedom, I'm, I'm I choose not to vote because I don't care." Um, I'd encourage you that you'd, you'd study up and that you'd be a part of of your nation, be a part of your state, be a part of even even your local uh, your local city, uh, your even your districts that, that you would. Uh, I mean, you don't have to figure it all out uh, in one election cycle, but but that you would be a person that at least gets in, in the know of things. I'm certainly not going to tell you how to vote, because we've got folks that will vote vote differently in, in here, but I'd say go to the Bible and pray, but, but be involved. Know, know what's going on. Um, and uh, that's the actual, within America, the, the, the right, the privilege that we have to actually be a part of the, the process. Um, but I, I, think, I think there's some practical implications about about this um, about this, some other ones as well, um, about what it means to obey the laws of the land. I mean, for an example, I mean, if, if, if you don't like the, the tax structure um, in, in America, um, you don't really have the option to, to opt out. Uh, I just encourage you, if you don't like it, to, you're going to pay them anyway. Um, and, but pay them, pay them while you make change if, you're, if you, uh, you want to be, be a part of it. Um, Jesus said this. He said in Mark 12, verse 17, he said, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. And they marveled at him. But why they marveled? Because it's like, I can't believe this guy's saying it's okay to pay, to pay your taxes. This guy, we expect him to be the guy that turns everything over, you know, and, and, and pushes against the government. Do you know what Do you know what Jesus did? He he wasn't lifting up the government. He was saying, to some degree, it's it's almost irrelevant. Just do do what you need to do, but but that's not the primary kingdom. The primary kingdom that you're in is in the kingdom of God. The primary president that you have is Jesus. The primary governor that you have is Jesus. The primary mayor that you have is Jesus. The primary principal of your school or chancellor of your university is, is Jesus. And so, if you're obedient to Him, you're, all that stuff's going to work itself out in the wake, uh, in its wake. You, some some may say, "I want I want more entitlement programs," and others would say, "I want less entitlement programs in our city." But I mean, basically, you may you may want the government to be more involved or less involved with compassionate provision. Um, but but here's the thing: whichever side that you're you may be on, I just say, don't wait. Be compassionate. Be a compassionate provider right where you are. Help the helpless. Bandage the wounded right now. Let your eyes be open to the injustice that's right around you. And do something about it. Jesus said this in Galatians 2, verse 10. Oh, excuse me. Uh, Paul said this. Uh, he said, uh, only they asked us to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. So he'd been speaking about about the other apostles and what, what they were asking them to be a part of. And he said, he said man, we we're already eager. And so that's, that's what Christians should be about. They, they should be looking at those that are around them that, that, are, that are marginalized, that, that need help. And to say, okay, what, how can I play a part in this? It certainly wouldn't do any of you guys any good if you've got a net worth of $10,000 or $1 or a $1 million, any of your net worth, if you gave it all away, to the poor, because I'm, I'm telling you, if if you gave everything uh, away to it, it would get sucked up into a, a black hole really quickly, and then you d- would just join the ranks of those that are impoverished. And so that's giving everything away is not is not the issue. the 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 real The real solution is for us to say, look, first of all, uh, we take Jesus with us as we as we go, and then we just say, all right, God, those that you call me to help, I'm I'm going to help can't help everybody, but you can help the ones that God places right in front, of, in front of you. We want to help the helpless. We want to bandage the wounded. Verse 5 says this. Whoever keeps a command will know no evil thing, and the wise heart will know the proper time and the just way. For there is a time and a way for everything, although man's trouble lies heavy on him. So wisdom tells us that not only is there a, a time for everything, which we discussed uh, earlier, early on in Ecclesiastes. There's a time for the, for the good, the bad. There's a time to, to, to reap. There's a time to sow. There's a time to, to laugh and celebrate. There's a time to fast and, and, and to mourn. Uh, but not only is there a time for things, but, but there is, there's a way. There's a way to, to go about doing things. See, as, as Christians, we should be described as those that are worshipers of Christ and those that follow the way of Jesus Christ. Now you can talk to a lot of folks in our nation and even in our own city right here in the Bible Belt and ask them if if they're a Christian and a lot of folks will quickly say yes. Hopefully you have some friends that will say no, that you've got some unbelieving friends that know they're not. But we've got also friends here in the South that are religious. They may have been a part of church culture, may still be a part of church culture, but they're a part of a spiritual, social club, um, they maybe seek certain morals or values, but they've never come face to face with Jesus and said, I surrender. You're, you're God, I'm not. And whatever you say, yes, sir, is, is what we want. Um, uh, you ask somebody, uh, am I, are you a, a worshiper of Jesus? Do you worship Him? And, and some of the folks that may have given you the yes to just saying they're a Christian may look at you puzzles. At least... They might need to. So, do I worship Jesus Christ? Do I really, do I really worship Jesus Christ? Am I a follower of His way and ways? To the, to where we say, all right, the, I keep my eyes on the tail lights of Jesus. I, I study His biography to say, this is how He lived. This is what what He did. And so, therefore, I want to emulate Him. He is, he is my model. I, I I keep my 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 mind, my nose into His book. Uh, to tell me how to live. And so I, I, I challenge you today, uh, do you call yourself a worshiper of Jesus Christ? And if you're, if you're having a little trouble with that, just know that that's God kind of stirring you to, to go deeper because God says, I want you to, I invite you, come, come to me. And I mean, I'm going to take your burdens off of you as, you as you worship. I loved this time of, of worship, this morning and I'm mean, I'm so appreciative of of, of Matt and, and the, the others in the band that are worship leaders that that help us to, to sing to Jesus I'm thankful for the guys that help help run things in the back to make sure that we have everything going I'm thankful for folks that help us uh, help us set the, the table that we're able to worship God through through communion and, and even this morning in, in singing I, I'm I, I don't know if you heard from where you were I love that before kind of the uh, before the 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 third song, um, uh, we have a bunch of kids that are in here with us as well, and uh, there's one song we're we're praising God, you know, and and right right next to me, I just heard I heard giggling and laughter, and it was wonderful to me because I was like, you know what, it's it's there's a joy that's infectious to to the worship of God that I was like, you know what, Lord, that is that is r- perfect. It's so good to hear giggling and laughter because I'm like, you know what. If I could look at that face, I know there's a big smile that's there. And, and to just to be in the, the middle of the presence of God, and the worship of God, and just to kind of laugh a little bit, I think, I think, it's, I think it's good. In fact, uh, uh, even, even during our contemplative prayer time, which was so good. Thank you, Eric, for that. Um, there was uh, one of, one, I heard another little voice that said uh, just in the middle of that, God gives us life. And then I heard, he does. You know, it was just, it was just, just right in the, in the middle of it. I mean, it was, it was worship, it was praise coming from, from the lips of, of kids. And, and I'm I, I, in the middle of, of worshiping God this morning. I'm like, Lord, you're bringing your joy right here to us. You're pouring out your love to us. And you're helping us to love you. Could, could you feel it this morning? I mean, just, just a drawing that, that God did, did for us. And, and uh, just, just so grateful. So grateful for it. Um, verse seven says this: "For he does not know what is to be, for who can tell him what it will be, how it will be? No man has power to retain the spirit or power over the day of death. See, guys, we cannot. You can't avoid what you don't know. Um, I mean, sometimes, sometimes uh, we expend our energies worried about what's." What's going to happen next? I'll give you a very current example um, you know my, as, as many of y'all know, my dad had a heart attack just a, a couple of weeks ago and took him by surprise and uh, during the surgery uh, we had uh, we had some friends that were with us uh, waiting and uh and also mom and dad's pastor he was he was there as well and uh, we we talked a little bit a little bit about it um, and uh uh he there's, there's some things that we talked about. Now I want to give you kind of a side note that I, that I, that I noticed in the middle of all that. I remember uh, one, of, one of y'all came by and saw Dad um, in the hospital and, and Dad just looked at him and thanked him and, and said, uh, said, you know, what you're doing is you're giving the ministry of presence. Not presence under a tree, but you're present here. And uh, he just thanked him, thanked him so much. So much for that, and I mean one of the one of the best things that you can do to minister to one another is to be present with them. And I know, uh, um, like us, we're 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 such a young church. There's not a lot of a lot of us hadn't hadn't had a lot of uh, uh, huge things happen in in your life, and um, and so I was thinking about the other day. I know it's I know it's awkward at sometimes. Like, okay, what do, what do I do? How do I help? And And you hear that or you say those kind of things, what can I do? And, um, and I was just thinking, I was like, let me, I I need to give, give our church just a little bit of coaching that will break through the walls of awkwardness to where able to serve one another really well. And, and one of the simplest things you can do is calling somebody and then asking them if, if, if they need you, if they can, if you can come by, um, come by and visit them, uh. Uh, the, the gift of, of yourself. And, uh, I mean, a lot of times you feel, you feel torn between giving space to somebody and wanting to serve them. But, but here's what to do very practically. Um, that if somebody that's near you, you know, goes through a, a tough time, first of all, call them. Call them. And, and there's different ways we can contact them. But contact them. Ask them. Ask them if they would like for you to come for a visit. Okay? This is, this is very simple, but I'm telling you, this is going to help you. Ask them, would you like me to come by and visit you? And, and if you know that if you're only comfortable with a short visit, don't offer to come stay for a long time. And when you come, just come, pop in, see them, and, and, and then go. But if you're willing, if you're open to staying longer with, with this friend of yours, then ask them this next question. Would you, would you rather I come for a short visit or stay with you for a while? Just ask them that question. Because if the timing's not good... They're just going to say, you know what, just pop in. Or even if, even if they don't, they'll they'll say, don't don't come at all, don't visit. Um, it, it won't be good. They will tell you what their need is. They'll tell you what they're comfortable with. And a lot of times, whether it's in a home or a hospital room, um, it's it's going to be just a, a short visit. But I, I know that's going to help help some of you guys as as things happen as, as babies are born. I know we we had another baby born just even the other day uh, within within the family, and and so just. Just make, some, make calls, as, as uh, you know, folks, and just say, what, what can I do? Can I come for a visit? And they'll tell you. They'll tell you. It's just real practical. Um, but now let me get back to, the, to that talk that I had with this pastor who was giving us the ministry of presence at that time. Um, we talked about the strange blessing about not knowing that this verse was talking about. I'm not knowing what's a, ahead of you. Um, I mean, talked about what, what if dad had known that he was going to have that heart attack? Um, I mean, it, that kind of, it's a strange, uh, hypothetical situation, because if you knew you are going to have a heart attack, you're going to do what you can to not have the heart attack, right? But, let's just talk about in, in, in scenarios where something's going to happen, a car wreck's going to happen, you know, you know on this day, if you knew those things, what would it do if you really knew? Um, I mean, my, my, my kids and I, we've been watching this uh, show on Netflix recently called No Ordinary Family, I don't know if you guys have. I've seen that, just kind of a goofy family superhero uh, show, and one of them has the ability to read minds so they know what's going on. And I'm like, you're watching this, and it's like, that is the most horrible gift in the world to know what people are actually thinking. And, uh, and it's like, uh, what if you really could know the future and things are going to happen? It would be horrible you'd be such a depressed person to know, well, this guy's, this guy's going to break his arm tomorrow and there's nothing I can do about this and this person's going to die and cancer's coming over here and, and this is going to happen on, on my day. What would it do? You'd be, you'd be a depressed person, you'd be worried, you'd be anxious, wouldn't you? Jesus talks about this. Matthew 6, 34, he said, therefore... Do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself, sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Now, now again, look look back at that at, at verse seven, Ecclesiastes eight. For he does not know what is to be, for who can tell him how it will be? Someone said that, that worry is interest paid on something you may never purchase. Worry is interest paid on something you may never purchase. It leads to a life of fear. It's a life that's enslaved to the potentiality of something that may never happen. Now, is there something right now that you're worried about? Is there something that you're anxious about? Are, are you are you afraid that you're you're going to get sick? You're going to have cancer. You're afraid you're going to get fired, or afraid afraid you're going to be downsized. Uh, you, you're afraid that you're not going to get the Christmas bonus, and you already put in the down down payment for the pool, right? You know whatever it is you got you got something something going on you're you're anxious and you're worried about it what is it what is that thing uh, you need to lay it at the at the foot of the cross Luke twelve verse twenty four Jesus said this consider the ravens they neither sow nor reap they have neither storehouse nor barn and yet God feeds them of how much more value are you than the birds and listen to this. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to a span of life? And you know what the reality is? I mean, when you're a worried and anxious person, you're just like depleting the hours from your life. You're like stealing, and, and the persons that are closest to you, you're stealing from them too. It just becomes this black hole of anxiety and worry. And, and the great thing is Jesus just says, look, you don't know what's going to happen, and and yes, there are going to be really tough times. But that's why I came. I'm here. And I'm walking with you, and 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 even when it's really really tough, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Never. He exemplified that on the cross. You know? Do you know that one of his prayers before before he went to the cross is is it, it shows it shows the, the power of of what Jesus did was He basically said, Father, I place, I place them all. Talking about His disciples at the time, but in a broader picture, talking about all of us. I place them all in Your hands. Because He knew that when He went to the cross, that when He died, He couldn't hold on to them. So He's like, God, i want to place them safely in Your hands. And, and all the while, God the Father was, He, was, he, was, he had us. He'd never dropping way he is today. He's like, you know, it's going to be tough. But God's saying that even in the toughness, I'm going to do some things. I'm going to do some things that bring hope even to others through through your story. This takes us back to uh, verse 8. No one knows when they're going to die. No one can prevent the day of, of dying the, the, uh, when it happens and This, I think, actually sets the stage for verse 15, which we'll get to uh, in just a few minutes of of enjoying your life. Uh, We're going to come back to that. Um, Second part of verse 8 says, "...there's no discharge from war, nor will wickedness deliver those who are given to it. All this I observed while applying my heart to all that is done under the sun. when man had power over man to his hurt. Then I saw the wicked buried. They used to go in and out of the holy place and were praised in the city." where they'd done such things. This is also vanity, because the sentence against an evil deed is not executed speedily. The heart of the children of man is fully set to do evil. It's like, look, there's no discharge from war. Painting, painting a picture of, of, I mean, truly, in, in war, I mean, you, you don't have the chance to, to just abandon, or you're going to get shot. Or Back then, they'd, you know, they'd run you through. You'd be killed if, if you let if you if you tried to leave, but but that's that's a picture for this earth that we're in. This that over and over in this story, over and over in this book of Ecclesiastes, we're broken people in a broken world and there's no discharge from it. You you can't get away from it. Someday God is gonna solve it. But as we've talked about several times, God is patient. Not willing that any would perish. There's, some, there's more to be saved. There's more to come into the kingdom of God. And that's why that God is he's patient even with the evil and the wickedness that takes place. Because people matter to Him that much. Their souls matter to Him that much. It's a brutal world that we live in. There's all kinds of wickedness and injustice that takes place. And sometimes, as we see in here, the wicked are even applauded. Most of the times it's not for their wickedness. In an ironic twist, the good deeds of wicked people are, are amplified and they're viewed as a hero. Listen, guys, people, people are neither as good nor as bad as whatever their press is. Just, just believe that. You know? Whatever you hear about somebody. They're, none of us are, are either quite as good or as bad as it, it really all makes us out to be now occasionally I mean we 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 see we we find there's a there's a role model in a community or or within within the nation and you find out they're really a monster it's horrible it's it's depressing I've seen that in the last few weeks with some horrible cases good grief it's disheartening but once again this is why broken people in a broken world need a savior his name is Jesus it's a savior that we need. Look at verse eleven again. Because the sentence against an evil deed is not executed speedily, the heart of the children of man is fully set to do evil. And this, this mentions why it's important to have a thorough yet efficient punishment. Uh, why, why there is, well, we have a government. It's why it's good to have governments in place that that protect the people, that protect and serve. Um, y'all remember a few weeks ago we were talking about how you freak out when you see the cops driving by you put on your brakes just in case you know just in case and uh, and I challenge y'all that you would when you see those cops instead of freaking out and hitting the brakes then instead you pray for them anybody out there that you've been you you prayed for a cop in in the last, last few weeks All right, okay well let's redouble our efforts the next time you go instead pray for the policeman and I've I've had like about a 50-50 success myself too. There's been a, I've had a couple of whoops, you know, and, and uh, slow down, you know. Then, then I'm like, oh, I should have just I should have prayed for them, and, and so then go ahead and pray, go ahead and pray for them. But there's uh, there, our policemen they they need they need our help and assistance. They need in, in prayer that is, and, uh, and and there's there's no cop that's going to be perfect. There's no precinct uh, or city a police department that's going to going to be perfect. Uh, there's going to be corruption. Uh, there as well, but man, let's let's pray and let's let's ask God to bless. Let's ask God to bless our judges and our our court systems. And, and uh, I mean, is there inefficiencies and ineffectiveness? You know, in our court systems, yeah, yeah, the people get away with stuff that they shouldn't. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, this injustice continues to take to to, to take place. With, um I do thank God that we live live in a country that generally speaking that crime is not just winked at. Um, there's not the kind of corruption that I see uh, in East Africa um, when I've gone or some of y'all have been in Central America or even South America and just seen how, how wicked people can just get away with things because of political power or, or just uh, money they have and crime flourishes when crime's winked at. Verse 12, though a sinner does evil a, a hundred times and prolongs his life, Yet I know that it will be well with those who fear God because they fear before Him. But it will not be well with the wicked. Neither will he prolong his days like a shadow because he does not fear God. Now, generally speaking, we're saying, look, life is, life is better for those who follow God and follow His ways. It's not promising that, every, that, that you'll have a perfect life. Uh, in fact, we see just the opposite in this but your soul is better when you follow God and you follow his ways when you trust him when you fear him first you know when you're when you're in in the kingdom of God as like we've talked about when Jesus is your president you fear him your life your life will be better even if you're ravaged by sickness you will have a peace verse 14 there's a vanity that takes place on earth that there are righteous per- people to whom it happens according to the deeds of the wicked. And there are wicked people to whom it happens according to the deeds of the righteous. I said that this is also vanity. And see, he supports what I was, what we were just talking about. That this is not... Verses 12 and 13, it's not a prosperity theology. That if you fear God, and if you're good enough, and you give enough money to a church, that you're not going to have any problems. In fact, in fact, he's saying, look, there's times in which... The, the wicked person is going to get away with it. And man, it's all going to come down on you. It's going to happen. This life of injustice. And he says this is vanity. By the way, that, that term, as we keep coming to it, some, some of them is going to say meaningless. Uh, uh, some uh, is going to say vanity. And it, it, again, this is a reminder. That verse is just saying, look, it's, it's a thing that's incomprehensible. It's something you can't, it's like a vapor. You can't wrap your, your mind around it. You can't capture it to understand it. And that's what he's saying. He's like, look, I, I, can't, I can't understand why this happens and, and, and how it happens even at times, or why. But it happens nonetheless and drives us in. And I, I just throw this out to you guys. Look, you can count on justice from God and thank God you can be grateful for the mercy from God and, and you should pursue justice for others that are around you. But know this, don't expect Justice in all the areas of your life from this broken world. Sometimes you're going to have it. But sometimes injustice and the depravity of man is going to bite you. It's going to. How many of y'all, you're like, man, I I felt that. I felt it. It's happened in my life. So with that cheery note, that's the honesty. It's the honesty. I mean, what... Don't you want to know? I mean, if, if something's real, don't you want to know? And then you can choose to stick your head in the sand if, if you want. But don't you really want to know what reality is? And that's, what, that's what this teacher, this, this preacher, what this philosophy professor is doing. is they look, this is the world. This is the broken world that you're in. And what it's really like, but yet now he brings it, brings it back around to this, it says verse 15. And I commend joy, for man has nothing better under the sun but to eat and drink and be joyful. For this will go with him in his toil through the days of his life that God has given him under the sun. And, and some, some might take this and just say, there you go. Man, I'm, I'm, I got my proof text for hedonism. I, 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 can, I, can just, I can just write off that, man, grace is my ticket and my license and I can do whatever I want. Eat, drink, party, rock and roll. I mean, it's, it's all there for me. Look, Jesus said it, right? Or Solomon said it. Or somebody in the Bible said it. I can do whatever I want, right? See, throughout, throughout this book of Ecclesiastes, especially in the beginning, and, and throughout the Bible, we see this dismantling of the hedonistic philosophy. And Again, if that's a new word, or you don't remember, it's just pleasure for myself. But that's where you get meaning from. Is just, just for me. Just, just for me. That's not what it's saying. What it's saying, I, I mean, I mean, we, Again, verse 7-8, you know, they said we cannot know when we're going to die. We can't even stop the day of death. So what is, what's the answer in all this? Well, first of all, we have to know that some will worry about death and never truly live. right, There's some that are just going to be so anxious, so OCD about what's what's happened. There's going to be some that are so haunted by what has happened. You know, you're, you're captured either, either by your past you're, or, or you're, you're, uh, you're, you're in a, a state where you're a, a, a stone. You can't move because of what may happen in your future. And you don't know where to go. Your, pop, your past haunts you or your future scares you. And yet it's saying, I commend joy. Joy for your day. For your present. That today you can live a life of joy. Jesus tells us, He tells us how to live. In fact, He told us in John 10.10, one of the reasons why He came, He said, I came that you have life and that you may have it to the full. Or you may have it abundantly. And, and uh, if you've been around a while, you know that the, the word where He talks about life is, is the Greek word zoe. Which is where, I, that's re- where we got the word, uh, the, the name for our, our daughter, zoe. Because it's abundant life. That he wants you know, but I mean, does it mean again prosperity and health and, and wealth and name it and, and claim it? no, it doesn 't mean this. it means an internal wealth that takes place in our life. Um, I hope that you hope you 're interested in this um, he wants he wants us to experience a full, enjoyable life but how does it happen? How do you really live? How do you live? Jesus said it's by dying. And the strangest paradox. For you to live, you've got to die. You gain by losing. You have victory through surrender. You, you get by giving. Matthew 16, verses 25 to 26. One of the hard Hard things, Jesus said, for whoever would save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his own soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? It's like, look, you guys guys think that the only way to live is by adding to who you are. And God's like, the only way to truly live is by abandoning who you are. You guys are Christians, you're on the other side of that initial surrender. Now you're at a point of like, okay, it's it's gotta be a daily thing. We're gonna get to that. But some some in here or listening to this or or in the next service are our friends that that hang out with us and 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 are loved by by sojourners and, and you're not a believer. You you've never come to that place, and you struggle with that concept of I can get by by giving, I I can, I can gain by losing. I can have my life by by dying metaphorically. Well, check this out. Galatians 2.20 talks about this as well. And this is, if you've not memorized this one, this is one, highlight this. Put it down on a card. Write it on your mirror uh, at home and memorize this. Talking about, for for us as Christians, what this daily death looks like. First of all, he says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. We're talking about the advent of love today. And just a God who loves us. Uh, he loves us so much, He gave Himself for us. And, 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 and so in this verse, it, it, it harkens back to the, the point in which I, I was crucified. I was crucified. I died. I, I, I gave up everything. I gave up all my rights. But then it also is saying, but, but, but this is the way I live now. I live a life that every day I, I'm to crucify the flesh. Every day I'm to say, Lord, not about my wants. Not about my agenda. Not about my visions. About You, Lord. Only what You want. This is, this is how to truly live. Because you know what? If, if you die, you can't kill a dead man. You know? Except zombies have one spot they can be killed, right? But, but it, you, can't, you can't kill someone who's already given up their life. You can't take away anything from someone who's given everything up. Do you know that? If you're a Christian, it means you've said, God, I don't own anything. I don't even own me. It's like everything that you give me, God is just—I'm borrowing it. It's just you're 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 giving it to me as a steward to use, and so that means that as God gives you more, He takes stuff away. As He gives you greater strength, or if He takes your strength away, it's not yours. He's got a story that He's telling through our lives. It's only through abandonment that we we're able to really plug in. This is the way to live. You guys, want to be, you guys want to be truly free? Anybody in here? You want to live a life of true freedom and, and true joy and, and enthusiasm to where you're just abandoned? Man, this is it. It's surrender. Surrender to Jesus. Again, like I said, this preacher's not, he's not saying we're to be hedonists. The world is, is broken, so we can't fix ourselves. What he does, he continually points to God as our foundation, to God as our reason, to God as our king. He's not not saying it's okay to just go ahead and get drunk in a party or to have sex with whoever you want. He's saying that we can find real enjoyment through God on a daily basis. Every day. He's saying that everything you do can be done as worship. Everything you do can be done to God's glory. We we point to this verse a lot. 1 Corinthians 10.31 So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. God's just opening it up to where He's like, I'm going to allow you that everything you do is spiritual. Everything you do can be holy. The only way it won't be is if you take it and twist it. That's what sin is. When we warp God's good design, we sin against God. The Net Bible, um, New English translation, the notes said this uh, about this section here. Said, Since the righteous man cannot assume that he will automatically experience temporal prosperity and blessings on this earth, he should at the very least enjoy each day to its fullest as a gift from God. And then quotes uh, D.R. Glenn, who said, Each day's joys should be received as a gift from God's hands, and savored as God permits. That means there's things God is going to give you today, opportunities that He's going to give you that you're you're a saver. That you're saying, all right, God, I I may be in the middle of the lowest point of my life, but God, I see what You did there. I see what You're giving me there, God. And I, though, uh, though I'm surrounded by misery, I'm taking joy here, in this place, because You're with me, and I see what you did there we need to ask God you say all right God help me to see what you did there God help me to notice your movement in my life today to where I can truly truly have joy